Blog Talk Radio. Warning, you have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Eileen L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Eileen L. Bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. So you claim to be a god? Damn right I'm a god. The maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, god of the universe. Wow, I didn't know that. 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 So tune in or lose, friend. All strategies apply mathematically. The information he drop is real powerful. So get your notepad, it's more than an hour full. Watch your jaw, the crew with watch us talk. Indigenous to the land, wherever we stand. First world order, we bring it at home in the first quarter. Invisible lines don't apply, we cross borders. Silly rabbit, knowledge for gods. No matter where you resign, Lodge, Temple of Mars. So don't fret or proceed with hesitation. Just tune in to Blog Talk to get the information. Peace.
Peace, peace, and peace, everyone. This is Brother Fahim Rosrael filling in for Dr. Aleem L. Bay for the night. Um, tonight's topic is going to be about a little Moorish history and also dealing with the misunderstanding of the UCCs as well. But first of all, I will uh, talk to you about uh, my experience at the conference last week from the 17th to the 18th, 19th of March. Uh, I was a little bit under the weather while I was down there, but I still enjoyed myself. I still enjoyed the love and the care that uh, so many people gave me 
uh, while I was under the weather down there. And uh, we did a tour, we did a, a little tour, a marching tour through the forest down there where a lot of our people own land down there in this part of Louisiana, this part of uh, North Carolina. And uh, I was really amazed and, man, I was, uh, I mean, how our people own land. It's not just talk and it's not just a whole lot of uh, mouth, you know, go, uh, mouthing going on. This is very real. And I was also amazed at uh, a certain wine vineyard I saw down there that uh, Asiatic people own or so-called black people own, you know, uh, wine vineyards. Yes, that's what I said, wine vineyards. This is my first time seeing one. I don't know about anyone else, but this is my first time seeing a wine vineyard owned by our own people, owned and controlled by our own people. You know, uh, got a chance to taste a little bit of it. And uh, it was great, you know. I didn't get drunk or anything like that or had a hangover or nothing like that because it's not that type of wine, you know. So, But uh, I met the owners of the land and shook their hands and talked. Uh, I seen, uh, oh, man, uh, the, the land, uh, so much land, of acres of land that our people own. They're not just talking about doing things. They are doing it. They are already doing it. And at the time I was under the weather, uh, a lot of our, uh, the people down there gave me so much love and care that uh, I was just overwhelmed. I've done, you know. Uh, at one time I was just about knocked out and I woke up. A lot of people had gathered around me, sending their energies to me, you know, even from the oldest all the way to the littlest child. <coughs> And it was it was uh, uh, quite kind of kind of a quite emotional, you know, that I have got to receive this kind of love, you know, and this is what I'm talking about. And we did a lot of uh, uh, gave a lot of honors to our ancestors. We gathered around the fire, gathered a circle around the fire out there in the country, and uh, we tossed a lot of names into the fire. Uh, for different people, uh, uh, I, I know I did. I, I tossed the name of uh, the prophet uh, Noble Drew Ali and and my ancestors of, and my family members that had passed on into transition. You know, uh, giving all honors and memory to them. So I just wanted to share that with you all tonight, and I just want to share that. Uh, uh, a lot of you had missed a lot down there, you know. I wish uh, most of you would have could have could have made it. I don't know, maybe something that was going on with you and your family members or something like that. But it was it was it was, it was worthwhile uh, getting down there and taking part of the certain rituals that we did and that we have done. You know, uh, I met with the, uh, some of the grand, some of the uh, grand sheiks and chiefs uh, from all over North Carolina, and one chief, uh, Brother Jelani Bay from South Carolina, uh, great martial arts exhibitions. Uh, I mean, you name it: great food, uh, great people, uh, 
some of everything, you know. And um, I'm planning on making it back next year, and I hope more of you will be able to make it this year with us. All right? All right, then. Okay, I'm uh, I'm gonna deal with uh, some subjects here. I'm gonna read some uh, uh, some parts from the Dr. Eileen's book, uh, The First World Order, dealing with uh, history of our of the Moorish history and the struggle we had through the centuries and through uh, dealing also dealing with the misunderstandings of the UCCs. Because I understand a lot of people um, talk against the UCCs. You know, uh, they say it's an unconstitutional, uh, which it is not. You know, uh, but those brothers that are, that are saying, our sisters that are saying these things about the UCCs, uh, my suggestion to them: they need to do more research. You know, that'd be my suggestion. <coughs> Okay. Uh, let me read this part here. It says here in the New World on the First World Order. It says here the end of time and fulfilling of the prophecies. Come all ye Asiatics. It said parentheses humans of Asaya and the realm of the making of America. Amaruka. Amexum. Al Morak, and hear the truth about your nationality and birthrights, because you are not Negroes. Parentheses not by dictionary definition. It says here, learn of your forefathers' ancient and divine creed, that you may learn to love instead of hate. Come and link yourselves with the families of nations. It's written by Nabi Sheikh Sharif Abdul Ali. As uh, we all know him, knew him as Prophet Noble Juwali. This was written in 1910, the 10th year of the 20th century. How can we link ourselves back with the families of nations if we do not know the law of nations? Hmm, big question. See, it says here, the law of nations is the private international law between sovereign individuals, families, tribes, courts, grand juries, townships, counties, states, and nations. This has been well established under various international conventions for thousands of years. Let me read this over again. The law of nations is the private international law between sovereign individuals, families, tribes, courts, grand juries, townships, counties, states, and nations. This has been well established under various international conventions for thousands of years. All the administrative rules and regulations, statutes, and uniform commercial code UCC, parentheses, and constitutions of various countries are based ultimately on the organic law of nations. Let me read this again. Uh, 
Let me read this again. Listen very carefully. All the administrative rules and regulations, statutes, and uniform commercial code, as in parenthesis, UCC, and constitutions of various countries are based ultimately on the organic law of nations. The law of nations is the law of sovereigns derived from the principles of natural law. Any government that pretends to hold power and wills authority without being answerable to these laws are de facto and unlawful governments ruling by occupation, usurpation, and exploitation. De facto governments justify their existence by the rule of force and coercion instead of the rule of law. Anybody listen? Well, anybody listen to this very carefully? For those of you that think that the use for commercial code is unconstitutional, let me move along here. Legitimate, lawful, de jure government of the sovereign people by the sovereign people and for the sovereign people do exist by the rule of law. It is a universal rule of law, of universal rule of the law of nations that the, that the created, i.e., the government can never be greater than its creator, i.e., the sovereign. Well, some people don't uh, really un- still don't really understand what the, uh, the term sovereign actually means. It means to self-rule. It means to self-rule. Uh, I'm not talking about us being sovereign citizens. No, that's not what we are. That's not that's not what we are about. We're not about being sovereign citizens. That's the European uh, creation. That's what they're trying to create for themselves. We don't deal with that. We deal with the sovereign because we are the sovereign. We are the aboriginal or aboriginal indigenous autochthonous people of the planet Earth, period. Not just the Americas, not just Africa, but of the Earth, period. Therefore, we are the sovereign. Okay, people who are self-ruled, that is a sovereign. Those are sovereigns. Okay, having obtained no contact or no, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, having obtained no consent to supersede its authority, such a government will self-destruct. Such a principle has been universally accepted and followed in at least the following cases as the date of Old Donahue case, April, May 1933, Banner versus Porter, and so on and so on and so on. So the following definitions come from the Bouvier Law Dictionary 1856, the Law of Nations. 
the science which teaches the rights subsisting between nations or states and the obligations corresponding to those rights, vitals law of nations. Some, com- some complaints, perhaps not unfounded, have been made as to the want of ex- exactness in the definition of the term um, the term, yeah, the term uh, uh, sovereign. The phrase international law has been proposed in its stead. It says here, paragraph 4, the law of nations has been divided by writers into necessary and voluntary or into absolute and arbitrary, by others into primary and secondary, which has been divided to customary and conventional. Another division, which the which is the, the one more usually employed, is that of the natural and positive law of nations. The natural law of nations consists of those rules which have been universally applied to all men and to all nations, the which may be deduced of revelation or reason as being of utility to nations and inseparable from the existence from the existence. The positive law of nations consists of rules and obligations which have their own origin, not to not to the divine or natural law, but to human compacts or agreements, either express or implied. That is, they are dependent on custom or convention. Here is one paragraph five. The attraction of the sexes has been provided for the preservations of the human race, and this law condemns celibacy. Hmm. The end of marriage proves that polygamy and polygamy are contrary to the law of nature. It follows that the husband and wife have a natural and an exclusive right over each other. Says here, the law of nations, preliminaries, idea, and general principles, the law of nations. What is meant by a nation or state? Nations or states or bodies, or politics societies of men, united together for the purpose of promoting their mutual safety. Uh, safely and advantage by the joint efforts of their combined strength. And what like nations or states are to be considered? Nations being composed of men naturally. I'm going to see this again. Nations being composed of men naturally, free and independent, and who before the establishment of civil societies live together in the state of nature. Nations or sovereign states are the considerate or to be considered as, as so many free persons living together in the state of nature. It is a settled point with writers on the natural law that all men inherit from nature a perfect liberty and independence of which they cannot be deprived without their own Consent, meaning one thing's a reason why a lot of these laws have been set up that are not really laws. 
but uh, say for instance, like your court system, like the uh, the civil courts and the criminal courts, and then you have these uh, colorable courts called traffic courts. That's because we have consented to that. This is when you go to a court and you say, uh, they ask you, how do you plead? And you tell them, I plead not guilty. Or, or if you or you do any, if you say any kind of plea, you do any kind of plea, that means you consent. Whether you plead guilty or not guilty or not. Because to plea is to admit the jurisdiction. That means you gave them consent to rule over you. You gave them consent, gave them your consent. You gave them your consent for them to rule over you. You gave them your consent uh, to, uh, to have jurisdiction over you. You gave them your consent to make charges against you by your own consent. Therefore, they have started adjudicating on you. Because it's all about so-called money. It's money. Whether it's a murder case, uh, whether it's a criminal case, civil case, it's all about money. They're there to make money off of you, to suck off of you, to suck off of your birth certificate, which is your estate. Okay, let me move along here. It is a settled point with writers on the natural law that all men inherit from, from inherited from nature a perfect liberty and independence of which you cannot be deprived without their own consent. In a state, the individual citizens does not enjoy them fully and absolutely because they have made called a they have made a partial surrender of them to the sovereign. But the body of the nations the the state remains absolutely free and independent with respect to all other men and all other nations as long as it has not voluntarily submitted to them. In other words, as long as you haven't gave them your consent. This is what goes on in a lot of courtrooms today when people actually believe when they uh, plea and plead not guilty. They believe that they're actually uh, defending themselves, but they're not. They just gave up their rights. They just gave them, they just consent, gave them their consent to rule over them. They gave them their consent to stand under their jurisdiction. When they ask you, do you un- understand these charges have, that that has been made against you? And then you tell them, yes. Well, yeah. They said, do you stand under these charges that we have made against you? You just gave them your consent to do anything they want to do to you. But they want to give you three to five, fifteen years or life imprisonment.
what laws nations are subject. As men are subject in the laws of nature, and as their union in civil society cannot have exempted, cannot have exempted them from the obligation to observe those laws, since by that union they do not cease to be men. The entire nation whose common will is but the result of the united wills of the citizens remains subject to the laws of nature and is bound to respect them in all her proceedings. And since their right arises from the obligations, often the obligation as we have just observed, the nation possess also the same rights which nature has conferred upon men in order to enable them to perform their duties. And and what and what and what the law of nations originally consists, we must therefore apply to nations the rules of the law of nature in order to discover what their obligations are and what their rights. Consequently, the law of nations is originally no other than the law of nature applied to nations. But as the application of a rule cannot be just and reasonable unless it be made in a manner suitable to the subject, we are not to imagine that the law of nations is precisely and in every case the same as the law of nature, with the difference only of the subjects to which it is applied, so as to allow our substituting nations for individuals. A state or civil society is a subject very different from an individual of the human race, from which circumstance, pursuant to the law of nature itself, there result in many cases very difficult obligations and rights, since the same general rule applied to two subjects cannot produce exactly the same decisions when the subjects are different, and a particular rule, which is perfect, perfectly just with respect to one subject is not applicable applicable to another subject of a quite different nature. There are many cases, therefore, in which the law of nature does not decide between state and state in the same manner as it would between man and man. We must, therefore, not decide between... Uh, we must, therefore, know how to accommodate the application of it to different subjects, and it is the art of thus applying it with a uh, precision founded on right reason, but renders the law of nations a distinct science. Here it is, Book 1 of Nations, considered in themselves, Chapter 1 of Nations, or sovereign states. And the reason why I'm reading uh, uh, this for tonight is because a lot of people don't understand the difference between a sovereign and a sovereign citizen. We do not call ourselves sovereign citizens. We don't call ourselves that. Europeans do that. Do that. Leave that to them Europeans. Okay. says here, 
of the state and of sovereignty. A nation or a state is, as has been said at the beginning of this work, a body politic or society of men united together for the purpose of promoting a mutual safety and advantage of by their combined strength from the very design that induces a number of men to form a society which has it common has its common interest and which is to act in concert. It is necessary that there should be Establish a public authority to order and direct what is to be done by each in relation to the end of the of the association. This political authority is the sovereignty, and he or they who are invested or invented invested with with it are the sovereigns. Of the several kinds of government, and the body of the nation keep in its, of its own hands the empire or the right to command. It is a popular government, a democracy. If it entrusts it to a certain number of citizens, to a senate, or to or, or it established establish an aristocratic republic. Finally, it is if it confines the government to a single person, the state becomes a monarch. That is a monarchy. One rule must be understand uh, a monarchy or uh, uh, you know uh, there are different rules like a theocracy, you know a theocratic form of government, which means divine rule or one who's ruled by God. That's what they mean by a theocratic government or a, the, uh, uh, a country ruled by theocracy. Democracy means mob rule, ruled by majority, or ruled by the demon, that some people may say. I know many of you have heard me say it time before in uh, a recent uh lectures I gave in the First World Order, a radio show about explaining what I'm talking about when I say democracy is not good for the people. And when you say democracy as versus a republic, a republic is a state or a country that's ruled by law. A democracy uh, is a state or a country ruled by majority rule. I said this before, like, you know, say if uh, Alim and I were the only two sheriffs in the town, and the whole town caught this one person stealing or killing someone, robbing someone, okay, me and Alim have to arrest this person, you know, then hold him up, you know, hold him in jail till his trial come up. But uh, the town's people don't want that. They want to lynch or hang this man right now. You know, they don't want to know. They want justice. You know, what they call justice. So, uh, a whole mob of people, maybe about 50 or 70 people, might, you know, well, you know, might do it. They would uh, uh, overcome me and Eileen. You know, and and then grab hold of this person and hang him. 
you have a democracy. That is a democracy. That means they had the power to do what they did did to this man, but they did not have the right. Paleem and I are the sheriffs. We represent the law or the sheriffs. We represent the law of that land or that state or that country. That's the difference between a republic and a democracy. A Republican form of government and a democratic form of government. That's the difference. Okay, I'm going to go into this again. Okay. Of the several kinds of government in the body of the nation, keeping this uh, uh, keeping this own hands, the empire or the right to command. It is a popular government. If the body of the nation keeps its, I mean, if a democracy. It is, it is a popular government, a democracy. If it entrusts it to a certain number of citizens. I just got through telling you this. If it entrusts it to a certain number of citizens to establish an aristocratic republic, finally, if it is confined the government to a single person, the state becomes a monarch, rule under the monarchy. These three kinds of government may be variously combined and modified. We shall not here enter into the particulars. This subject... said, this subject belonging to the public universal law. One, for the object of the present work, it is sufficient to establish the general principles necessary for the decision of those disputes. They may arise between nations. Now, we get to the, the, uh, to the paragraph that calls, what are sovereign states? What are sovereign states? Every nation that governs itself under what form soever without dependence on any foreign power is a sovereign state. For those who didn't get it, I'm going to read this over again. Okay. It says here, what are sovereign states? Every nation that govern itself under what form soever without dependence on any foreign power is a sovereign state. Its rights are naturally the same as those of any other state. Such are the moral persons who live together in a natural society subject to the law of nations. To give a nation a right to make an immediate figure in the grand society, it is sufficient that it be really sovereign and independent, that is, that it govern itself by its own authority and laws. Now, I ask you that, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? And if you notice, I didn't say anything about no sovereign citizen. And these union states are supposed to be. 
okay? Okay, now we come to the to the term the Ali Shuffle. The Ali Shuffle. This is an excerpt from the chapter of the Montauk of the Dead by Peter Moon. At every time the door to Moorish mysteries is opening far and wide, the age of Pisces is at an end, and the Moors are coming to receive their inheritance. Drew Ali instigated this process when he returned to America and released a publication known as Go 7 Koran. While Drew Ali did not deliver the concise formula, as was clearly delineated in Synchronicity and the Seventh Seal, he, presented, he represented the energy and was, and was the energy of such. Drew was very much a part of the mythos and reality that enabled me to write that book. What Drew wrote was a gear towards a format that would be accepted by his people at that particular time. It apparently worked quite well. When the Moorish science reached 1029, it was one of the heel, it, was, it was, was on the heels of one of the greatest but most dangerous discoveries Drew Ali ever made. In 1928, all I mean, uh, in 1920, I'm sorry, in 1928, Ali attended a Pan American conference in Havana, Cuba, where he enjoyed broad recognition from a host of other countries. I'm gonna stop right here. It says there he attended, uh, Ali had attended a, a Pan-American conference in Havana, Cuba. Now, you see a lot of brothers and sisters uh, calling themselves Pan-Africanists. You know, Pan-African is this, Pan-African is that. I mean, that's very well. I mean, if you, that's what you, they, they want to call themselves, okay, that's on them. But as Dr. Eileen explained it, uh, well, the last law class on Monday night, he said, twelve brothers raised their hand when he asked the question, oh, who are all Africans in here? And they all raised their hands, and then Ali said, put your hands down, stop lying. Ain't none of you Africans. Because they did not have the same peace structure that most Africans have. that prove that they're not Africans. Not in that sense anyway. Well, for those who call yourself Pan-Africanist, how about calling yourself a Pan-Americanist? 
As it says here, I say it again, I repeat it again. In 1928, Ali attended a Pan-American conference in Havana, Cuba, where he enjoyed broad recognition from a host of other countries. They were, of course, recognizing him or his sovereign status as a Moorish national who who was representing the ancient empire of a Mexican. Keep in mind that other countries had no reason to fear Ali or what he represented. It was all it was at this conference, however, that he received a document which was to change the face of Moorish science forever and would eventually lead to what is known as the Great Schism. That is the name the Moorish community uses to refer to the dispersal of of Moorish science into different groups. The document Juali received was a copy of a mandate whereby the Maxim Empire extended a land grant of the entire Western Hemisphere to certain Europeans. I have not yet seen the document, and and its extent contains, I mean, its extract contents are highly mysterious, yet its ramifications literally turned the United States of America upside down. Eventually, it leased America to a certain party for a particular number of years, not unlike the way China leased Hong Kong to Britain. That lease was up in 2004. So note here, the Lenny Lenapi, El Nabi, called the Nanticos, Delaware Moors, Abenaki Moors, called the Pennsylvania Moors. Moors were in the Washita, North America tribal branches, Al Moroccan, Al Maghrib Empire here in the Americas, and not the Kingdom of Morocco in Africa. I'm going to stop right here because this is where a lot of our people get confused at. You know, uh, I was listening to one brother on YouTube, and uh, he was of this tribe, and he was saying that uh, he was talking about the Sundry Moors Society, uh, Moors Society in uh, South Carolina, and he called himself trying to uh, he said he's not a Moor. He don't call himself a Moor. You know, he called himself an, uh, an indigenous Indian. So I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. Oh, back to that in a few minutes. But, oh, but, but anyway, he he said that uh, the, the Moors are nothing more but a society like the Freemasons. You know, and I'm like, oh, man, here we go again. You know, uh, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't understand the word more. He don't know who Moors are, evidently. And he called himself an indigenous uh, or Native American Indian. Well, I'm here to tell you, brother, uh, I'm not going to mention your name, but you probably know who I'm talking about if you're listening to this show. Uh, This is not India. This is North America. This is the North American continent. You know, the other one is the Central American continent. The other one is the South American continent and the adjoining islands. You know, uh, India is in Southeast Asia. That's India. 
And I submit to you, that's not actually Indian either. It is a uh, European social artificial construct. That's all that term is, but they're not Indians themselves. They are, it, 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 it is Hindustan, and the people are Hindustanis, not Indians. This is not India, brother. So you can't be an Indian neither. You still fall into the trap. Still fall into the Western European terminology of a, of a, of a social artificial construct. That's a name brand that they branded you with. More means land. People of the land. Those are Moors. I am a Moor. I am a man of the land. Moor means land, land means more. They are synonymous, both synonymous. That gives you an inheritance of land. You are connected to the land that you are presiding over. You are that land. You are an American. We are Americans. We are our Moroccans. We are Moroccans. We are the Moroccan Empire. The Moroccan Empire. The Moroccan Empire, not the kingdom of Morocco and Africa. You hear a lot of uh, people be saying, well, if you want to be a Moroccan, you got to uh, go to Morocco you got to be in Morocco. You know, a lot of them still don't understand that this is the Moroccan Empire. They still don't get it. There's a difference between the two. This is the Moroccan Empire. When you hear Hillary Clinton and you hear Obama when they was uh, praising the Moroccan uh, 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 treaty with them or with the United States Corporation. When Hillary Clinton made this statement, he said, Moroccans have been pioneers of this country since the beginning. They have served in our military, in our armed forces. They have served on our, on, on, they are still serving in our, in our police departments, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who in the hell do you think she was talking about? talking about us us here in America she is, she is talking about the Moroccans of the Moroccan Empire here in America which is commonly called America today it's a sound shift in words and terminology it's a sound shift If I say to a Mexican, I, I, I may, I may be doing, dealing with the word artist, I may say, uh, uh, it is artista. I just call him an artist. But we are both saying the same thing. I'm saying artist, artista. Artista is uh, artist in Spanish. Or some people may say Moorish Latin. 
but we are both saying the same thing. Al Moroccan, Moroccan, America, American, those are the same thing, same terms and words. They are the, you are saying the same thing. There is no difference between the two. Only the sound shift in words. And the reason why I keep repeating this because you see a lot of so-called scholars on YouTube. Uh, I mean, they be spreading out this nonsense. You know, how can you be a Moroccan and uh, you're not over there in Morocco and Africa? They still ain't got it yet that they are Moroccans. This is the Moroccan Empire, not the Moroccan Kingdom. Okay. Let me move along here. Where do I leave off at? Okay. Okay, it says here. I'm going to read this over again. Okay, it says, Note, the Lalani Lalapi Elnabi called the Nanakos, Delaware Moors, Abunaki Moors, Moors called the Pennsylvania Moors. Moors are like the Washita North, Eastern tribal branches of Al Moroccan, Al Maghrib Empire here in the Americas and not the Kingdom of Morocco and Africa. They signed the lease, the Spanish, the Moorish, and the Moorish land grant with William Penn, which is Pennsylvania is named after William Penn, whom the state of Pennsylvania is named after. Hence, the state of Pennsylvania housed the first capital in the city of Philadelphia, which was designed by Big Ben Bay, Bagby, Emmanuel Muali of the Ab- Abenaki, Father of the Sky, Serpent, Ab Anunnaki. Okay, that was Benjamin Banneker. Those of you who are not know, familiar with that. Or uh, I, I know him as Benjamin Banaka Emmanuel Muali Bay. Okay, that is, that is his. Uh, free appellation. That was his appellation name. Like uh, Benjamin Banaka, that's Benjamin Banneker. Uh, say like um, like Turnaker. Uh, one of my middle name is Tunica. Okay, that that they turned that into Turner. You know, like Washita, uh, the Washita uh, Nation Tribe. They turned that into Washington. A lot of these names that they call English names are not actually English English names when you go to the root and the history and the origin of those names and found out and you find out a lot of these names are aboriginal indigenous names of our people. Okay. Benjamin Banneker or parentheses, Prince Hall, the greatest operative and speculative Freemason, Freemason, widow's son, or son of a widow, the mother 
is in the black Madonna and the child taken from the ancient image of Aset, Isis, and the queen of heaven and Haru, uh, uh, known as Horus, the, the son, S-O-N, and the son, S-U-N, Mary's son, or Mary's, Ra, Aset, Isis, Haru, and the later concept name, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, derived the ancient Tamarian Kamashian, Egyptian word Haru Yusa, Yusa Karas Mes, meaning the ever coming sun, soul or solar, sun god, higher self, that embeds, anoints itself to reside in the mummified body of Asaru, called the pineal gland, or ultimately the physical body. Af, Afu Kat, as in Kat Kat with nine lives, or reincarnations in various physical bodies. Because uh, how many of Masons still don't know that um, Prince Hall uh, is said to be uh, Benjamin Banneker's cipher? Because there haven't been any real proof uh, that there ever was a Prince Hall. They came up with various various statements and various things have been said about Prince Hall. But uh, uh, Benjamin uh, Banneker used that Prince Hall was a lot of people at that time was named Prince Hall, which was actually, I believe, was a title and not actually a name. Just like uh, you take uh, those of you that deal with uh, uh, mysticism and mystical science and mystical history as the Rosicrucians and the history of Freemasonry, history of the Rosicrucians, as uh, you probably know or heard of or know about the figure of Francis Bacon. That Shakespeare was Francis Bacon's cipher. William Shakespeare was Francis Bacon's cipher. Same thing with uh, uh, Benjamin Banneker. Prince Hall was his cipher. Believe it or not, for those who are are Freemasons, you want to do some more research on this, some more uh, uh, steady research. Do your research, you know, that's all I ask. Just do your research. I know there's a lot of people probably don't agree with me when I'm saying that about uh, Prince Hall. But I'm just saying just do your research. No. Uh, okay, let me move along here. It is entirely reasonable to believe that such a document, if it still exists and can be both, to light is a mere relic of a long forgotten era that has no significant meaning in today's legal system. So note this document is in the book in this book and is in full detail in the return of the ancient ones by Her Highness the Empress Riachi Tiara Tiari Tunica Bay. 
that would be fine except for one very important point. If you have truly studied the de- studied the detailed legal history of the United States of America, you will understand that there is more than a little truth to the prospect of there being such a document. Why? The entire legal history of the United States is predicated on such a proposition. What is known is the Secretary of State Hughes from the U.S. government attended the Pan-American Conference, which was made privy to this mandate. So were several other heads of state. As a result, a closed-door conference between several nations. Conferences went on. No, was was. Uh, no, I'm sorry. A closed door. No, let me go back. So were the several heads of state. As a result, a closed door conference between several nations, which held in Geneva, Switzerland, and it's a lighter thing. Series of discussions and negotiations began. The Geneva Conference went on for some five years, but records are still kept sealed. To this very day, it is known that several international banks call in their loans as a result of this potential legal threat and the stock market crashed in 929. Those of you who know history know about that. Several countries, which included the United States, Portugal, France, and Spain, declared bankruptcy in order that relevant powers could buffer themselves from any potential legal claims. In the case of the United States of America, it was recognized, it was reorganized with a new corporate legal, legal status. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was part and parcel of the entire plan which he abolished the gold standard and created the New Deal. Federal Reserve notes were then issued, issues in places of gold back currency. The great seal of the Moors was used on the back of the notes. People behind the Geneva Conference were so concerned about any potential boomerangs from the Moorish issue that they began a full barrel character assassination of Moorish heritage. The most flagrant example of this was when two master masons put together the infamous Amos and Andy show, and it became and it became the first nationally syndicated radio show in history. It was deliberately designed. It was deliberately designed to spoof that Morris Science Temple by lampooning them to uh, lampooning them as the Mystic Order of the Knights of the Sea and callously referring to them as sardines. <laughs> From one perspective, this can be viewed as hysterically funny, especially when you consider that the dignitaries were titles such as swordfish, mackerel, and kingfish. On the other hand, it was a deliberate and malicious act of intent designed to betray betray any more as the most laughable example of what could be termed the lowest common denominator. Not long after Amos and Andy had its national debut, Drew Ali was arrested and mysteriously died. 
This has been ignored by both history and conspiracy books. When you or when you see how integrally connected the Moors are to the history of the world, let alone the United States, you see that they are a guide guidepost to the true history of the planet. This is the lamp of the illumination, the Hermes lamp from the tarot cards that the secret societies have been played tribute to and their writings. Because a lot of this is completely eradicated from our history books. You would never you will you would never uh hear anything about this in any of your history classes in schools. Never. Got some people that uh, really think they know what they're talking about when they're dealing with UCCs and the UCCs on constitutional. I'm gonna read something from the Constitution uh, right quick, and I'm gonna get right back to this that I want to share with you. Um, so, article in the Constitution. I don't want to share with you because they say that they're unconstitutional. Well, I'm getting ready to clarify that up, I'll clear that up for everybody that thinks that they think this is unconstitutional. Section 10 of the Constitution. No one shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, coin, money, emit bills of credit, make any thing but gold and silver, coin a tender or payment, of debts pass any bill of attainder, ex post the ex post facto law or law impairing the obligation of contracts or grant any title of nobility. No state shall without the consent of the Congress lay any imposts or duties on imports or exports except what may be absolutely necessary for executing its section laws and the net product produce produce of all duties and imports imposts laid by any state on imports or exports shall be for the use of the treasury of the United States and all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control of the Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty or tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, 
enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay. That's not exactly what I wanted to read. Hold up. I wanted to... Okay. Here we go. We have here Section 2 of Article 3 of the Constitution of the United States. Section 2, the the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under the Constitution, the laws of the United States and treaties made or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers, consuls, to all cases. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. To all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdictions. What does the UCCs deal with? Admiralty, maritime jurisdictions. We'll read this whole paragraph over again so everybody can understand that's listening tonight. Section 2, the judicial judicial power shall extend to all cases and law and equity arising under the Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministries, and councils, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdictions, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, to controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state, claiming lands under the grants of different states, and between a state or the citizens thereof, and foreign state citizens or subjects. So constitutional law extends into admiralty maritime law, which is law of the high seas. Therefore, you're dealing with the UCCs or Uniform Commercial Code. That's for those who say that that the UCCs are unconstitutional. Well, they say the UCCs take you back to the Constitution. I just read it to you. Look it up. Do your research. Research it. Do more research. And stop and stop knowing what you stop not knowing what you're talking about. Start knowing what you're talking about. I ain't saying no names. You know who you are. You know who you are. You know who you are. I ain't mentioning no names. I don't have to. Now I'm getting right back to the new the first world order. Okay. By reason of social conditions, it seems utterly preposterous 
that the old Moorish Empire could have an actual court of law claim on this country. Conversely, it appears that world leaders have been deathly afraid of such and have been prepared themselves and legally uh, to legally avoid the, the inevitable. Once again, the Moors show themselves to be hard wired into the infrastructure of our consciousness as well as the historical papal trail. Let me say this again. Once the Moors, the, well, not, I'm say this again. Once again, the Moors show themselves to be hardwired into the infrastructure of our, as well as the historical paper trail. Now, what do you suppose it mean by paper trail? That means you must have paper trail behind you when you claim yourself as a more national. You must have some kind of documentation that this is who you are. You just can't just go to a court or anywhere else talking about you are more and your name is Richard Johnson Bay or L. Bay or L. Day Ali or Al. Mm-mm. It doesn't work that way. You need lawful documentation. You need affidavits. You need writs. You need to be uh, certain papers to be uh, notarized by the notary. You need your papers to be filed and recorded in the county, and the county, and the county of recorder of records and deeds and vital statistics. That be put on record for the public record, for the public record, for the public record, so they can go there and find uh, out that this uh, who you really are. This is really you. And then go to the circuit county clerk office, the circuit county court clerk office, to put in on court records, to put on court records that this is who you are. You just can just jump up and just you can, you can say it. Yeah, you can jump up and say you're more, and which you are by birthright. All Asiatic people are Moors by birthright, and you're right. You're not lying. You're telling the truth. But all I'm saying is that you ought to have paperwork behind it. I was sent the following articles, and therefore I don't know whom the author is, but obviously the author is a member of the Clock of Destiny Moors or the Great Seal National Association of Moorish Affairs. In other words, a sincere national. I felt that it was necessary to list here for my clarity. 
This is Dr. Eileen talking, okay, about his book. It says here, 1928 Common Era, or CE 1930-1933 Common Era, the U.S. bankruptcy and the Moors. The purveyors of the so-called white supremacy were just walking along, minding their own business, suppressing, destroying, and or misrepresenting the truth about history, Moors' history in particular, went out of of no I mean went out of nowhere came the savior for the fallen people that they had extinguished the the light and life within his application or his appellation is noble Drew Ali. His appellation meaning his uh free name or national name, free national name. That's what we mean by appellation. So having traveled the world, Noble Drew obtained knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and overstanding. And to the many truths, the oppressors uh, working, were working so hard to hide. After detecting our true identity, as Moors and our true identity as possessors of the oldest artifacts and burial sites and what has been misnomered as the so-called Americas as opposed to the lies the so-called white supremacist was spewing forth. All blacks were brought to the Americas by us, be our slaves. Noble Jewali implemented a series of actions to begin the process of resurrecting our people from the comatose and debt levels. These efforts culminated in the reemergence of the Moors as a community in the sense of a body politic that was ghastly rebuilding into a nation once again. In 1928, the Pan-American Conference was held in Havana, Cuba. Secretary of State Hughes went down to represent the United States, and Noble Drew Ali went down to represent the Moors. At that conference, the mandate for the landmass of Great Amexum, or Greater Amexum, North Central and South Central Amexum, misnomer as the North Central and South Americas, was returned to the Moors. Noble Drew Ali knew what that meant and what the ramifications of this was and is. Noble uh, Noble took several stopgap measures Drew to a second to secure our the Moors' birthright inheritance and beneficiary interest as Moors to the land mass within the un- upper-mentioned land mandate. The actions of Noble Drew were detected by the so-called white supremacists and they immediately proceeded to act to do all they could to impede his work and take him out. Fortunately, natural law governed all events. Thus, by the time the oppressor made his move on Noble Drew Ali, Drew Ali had already put things in motion. This seared the international bank banksters because land and labor is where all of your wealth comes comes from. The carnal world and Noble Drew Ali had just yanked. All the land from the so-called Alaska or the, the two so-called Argentina out from under them, even though we, the Moors, as a commonly, as a community, were mentally comatose at that time. 
The international bankers recognize that the potential for our constant or instant return to our place of prominence on the global scene existed. This is the international banksters recall all their loans in a panic, which is in turn put a squeeze on the stock market, which caused it to collapse two months after the assassination of Noble Ali, which we know in the history books as the Great Depression. See, they were already, they were already had a noose around their necks because a lot of them international banksters were bankrupt after the First World War. They were already bankrupt. And they wanted to borrow money from other banksters. They said, no, 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 no. You have no collateral. You have no money. You know, well, what you got, you know. So they had to choose the people in the Americas as collateral. The birth certificates. And then on and then Noble Trolley done what he done, that was it. Noble Trolley sealed the noose around their necks. Okay. Says here, nevertheless the so called Europeans on both sides of the Atlantic knew that their system was and in existing and functioning on borrowed time. They also realize that the length of that borrowed time is directly tied to the length of our, the Moors, ignorance and of knowledge of ourselves, our history, our culture, and what is rightly justly ours. This fact is what has compelled the so-called white supremacists to do all that is possible to keep the undeclared mentally comatose Moors from ever waking up and reclaiming all that rightly belongs to our people and at the same time keep the rank and file unsuspecting so-called Europeans from finding out what is really going on. And this is going on today, Moors. This is going on today. Most of our people are still comatose. They're still dead. This is why we're still catching so much hell that we're catching. You get uh, more that in certain pockets uh, of the world that have woke up, that are being active and not passive, like myself, Dr. Aleem, his wife Kadira, and so many others, so many others. So many others, Brother Julani Bay, Brother Abdullah Eltali Mosi Bay, Taj Tariq Bay, Sister Raj Mariah Bay, Grand Sheik Nature Bay. I mean, you know, I can go on and on and on and on. I can go on and on. You know, we are trying to fix this thing in the few in numbers. If the majority of our people, the majority, the vast majority of our people are still comatose, that's the problem. That's the problem. 
I'm not, I'm not talking about the 1920s. I'm talking about now in 2017. You get a lot of uh, our pool or uh, code uh, looking for COINTELPRO. You know, a lot of agents that would uh, that would sell our people out for a dollar. They don't care. They have no compunction. They have no. Uh, be, you see them on YouTube with all these debate shows that they be having. You know who I'm talking about. I ain't got to mention no names. A bunch of them, they're agents, people they are not Moors. I ain't no damn Moor, you know. I ain't no fucking Moor. I'm African. But if you go there to Africa today, they, they'll tell you in a heartbeat. Man, I'm not related to you. I ain't got nothing to do with you. What you doing here? Your struggle is over there in the Americas. Calling themselves Pan-Africanists. What they should be calling themselves Pan-Americanists. That's what they should be calling themselves. All right, let me move along here. Uh, Noble Drew Ali's work as a result of what transpired at the Pan American Conference touched off a, a, a blurry of activity on both sides of the Atlantic because the so-called, Europe, so-called European from both sides of the Atlantic knew what was coming as a result. The actions of Noble Drew Ali called the so-called Europeans to assemble themselves to conspire and plot a way to deal with what they thought would be the reemergence of the Moors, to whom their respective countries are tributary to as they always have been. If you can, those of you who can, or those of you who may have already have the book, you need to obtain the book called The U.S. and the Barbary Powers by David McRichty, written in the 1880s. Uh, yeah, the same uh, person that wrote the book, uh, Ancient and Modern Britons, Part 1 and Part 2. Noble Juwali knew that the time of our the resurrection has not come and knew that his days were numbered. In fact, Noble Jawali stated, it will take you boys 50 years to figure out what I have done. What I have done is not for you, for you boys, but for the third and fourth generations from now. There will be new moors. They will come with their eyes open seeing and knowing 
and they will set you, O Moors, in the back and carry out my law. The so-called Europeans was horrified at the potential of our people uh, rising 71 years ago. Yet, noble Ali knew our minds were not ready then. Nevertheless, the so-called United States, Great Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Portugal, convened in Geneva, Switzerland for five continuous years, 1928 to 1932, common era to set up what would be the policy of all the participating countries. These five years of meetings became known as the Geneva Convention. In 1930, common era, the so-called United States, Great Britain, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and Portugal all declared bankruptcy. Any attempt to obtain the minutes of the 1930s uh, uh, Common Era uh, Geneva Convention are futile because they publish because they publish the volumes the volumes of minutes for every year of the Geneva Conventions, including 1930 uh, 30 Common Era, but refuse to make Common Era minutes available to the public because they contain the evidence of the bankruptcy. Did everybody get that? All right. Going into 1932 Common Era, the upper mission state stopped meeting in Geneva in 1932 Common Era. Franklin Delano Roosevelt became the U.S. president, and his job was to put into place and administer the bankruptcy that the United States had declared two years earlier and hide the bankruptcy from the unsuspecting public by establishing a reorganization plan. The New Deal administration state that functions under the color of the United States of America, the United States of America and the United States for America, along with the United States Constitution, became defunct from that moment on. And all that remained was the unsolvent bankruptcy or bankrupt for profit corporation known as the United States. To this very day, all government offices, all government anything since 1933 are only in name only. They're only in name only. There is no United States government. No United States government exists. It does not exist. It's only, it exists only in name only. It is a corporation. And there have been companies and corporations even before 1933, if you want to know the truth about it. That's where your Virginia company come from. And... 16, I believe, 1619. Then you have the New England Company in the north, which the New England Company took over the Virginia Company after the Civil War. When the Virginia Company surrendered to the New England Company, that was Robert Robert E. Lee's Confederate forces surrendered to Lee's S. Grant Union forces. April 9th in 1865 in Appomattox. 
Virginia. Most people think that the United States, that the Vietnam War was the only undeclared war that the United States fought, but the Civil War was also an undeclared war. The Civil War was never declared. It was never declared. Abraham Lincoln was never made the commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy, Army and Naval Forces. In order for him to be made commander-in-chief, Congress has to bestowed, have to bestow that title upon him. He has to make go before con- Congress. They have to have a uh, congressional convention first for the House of the House of Representatives and the House of the Senate to convene, which has not been held since 1791. from order for him to make a declaration of war. I mean, uh, some of you have probably heard me mention this before, you know. Okay. But I'm decided to, you know, to bring that to you again so you won't forget how that is done, how that's supposed to operate. Every person that comes into the office of the presidency is not the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Congress has to bestow that, has to bestow that title upon them. They're still the president of the corporation. Sure they are. But they have to have Congress to bestow that title upon them. After the war of hostility is over, the president is supposed to render that title back to Congress. That's the way that's supposed to be done. Okay, let me read this here. Uh, Okay, the so-called states all revamped their local constitutions by 1938 Common Era to take into account their capitulation to the bankrupt mother corporation doing business as the United States. Let me read this again. The so-called states all revamped their constitutions. The so-called states all revamped their local constitutions by 1938 Common Era to take into account their capitulations to the bankrupt mother corporation doing business at the United States, thus clearing the way for the Buck Act of 1940, allowing the corporate United States to extend its jurisdiction and by default usurp all sovereignty over the now defunct state republics. What what does that tell you? 
what does that tell you? They are defunct. When people talk about the state constitution, yeah, but that's a, uh, you got to go by the state constitution. No, 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 no. They're defunct. Which is the United States Constitution of the United States of America supersedes over the state constitutions. Believe it or not, whether you want to go along with it or not, do your research. Do your research. Do your research. Take my word for it. I don't want you to believe anything I said. Not a word I said tonight. I don't want you to believe any of it. I want you to go do your own research for your own benefit. Don't believe a damn thing I just said tonight. Mm-mm. I don't want you to believe what I said. I want you to go and do your research. I want you to research it. I'm not going to do the work for you. You're going to do your own damn work. Let me see. Read this over again. The so-called states all revamped their local constitutions by 1938 common era to take into account their capitulations to the bankrupt mother corporation doing business as doing business as the United States, thus clearing the way for the Bug Act of 1940, allowing the corporation, the United States, to extend its jurisdiction and, by default, usurp all sovereignty over the now defunct state republics. Getting back to Roosevelt, he was sworn into the United States presidency in January of 1933, common era. The same year Adolf Hitler was sworn in as chancellor of Germany. I may add to this. Okay. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was sworn in as president to hold office in president in January of 1933. The same way year as Adolf Hitler was sworn as chancellor or became chancellor of Germany in 1933 at the same time. Okay? Okay. Presidency in January 1933, common era, and wasted no time getting started with the bankruptcy. Roosevelt immediately shut the banks down, banking holiday, and proceeded to pull all the gold out of circulation while replacing it with debt currency, tender, IOUs, with the Moors seal on the back of the dollar of the so called dollar bill, the pyramid with the all seeing eye on the back of the US one dollar bill or Federal Reserve note. And for those of you talking about uh you don't believe in authenticating your birth certificates or Doing uh, the UCCs, uh, well, that that that's on you. You know, you have a right to uh, not to do that. But how many of you can tell me since you got nationalized? I'm talking about the more, you Moors that have been nationalized. They got your uh, 
uh, free appellations, your free national names, and all this here. How many of you can tell me honestly that your uh, birth certificate, uh, that your birth certificate is, uh, is not being traded at the stock market? You think just because you've been nationalized, you think they pull your your birth certificates out of the U.S. stock exchange and out of the stock market? If you do, you're a damn fool. They're still being traded. All major banks all over the world are trading off your stock, are using your stock. Dipping and dabbing to your estate, what is your birth certificate? Your Social Security Trust Fund, which was set up for you day one when you were born or when you sunrise, as some of us more, the term that some of us more is used when we sunrise. Everybody is feeding off of you. You won't because you will not authenticate your birth certificate. You don't want to file any UCC1 filings. You don't want to do any non-UCC filings. You do not want to become the sole owner of your birth certificate or your estate. You don't want to do any of that. I just mentioned. So everybody is feeding off of you while you are talking about... uh, some of you talking about you can't pay a gas bill or a hospital bill. You, you can't afford hospitalization care for yourself or your children. You are constantly struggling every day. Meanwhile, everybody else, all these banksters, from international banksters, are sucking off of you. Millions, even the billions of some of us. But that makes sense. That makes sense, huh? Huh. To show me. So I'm from the St. Louis, Missouri Republic. This is the show me state. Show me. Because what you're saying, those of you I'm talking about, you know who I'm talking about. It don't make any damn sense. Okay, you authenticate your birth certificate. You're 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 trying to get benefits from a bankrupt society. Okay. Meanwhile, while you're in a bankrupt society, people are still still sucking off of you, aren't they? How are they sucking off of you? How are they sucking off of your estate? Your birth certificate. They're sucking the energies and the labors off of your estate. That's what they're doing. Why? Because you don't want to uh, claim your inherited estate. You don't want to do that. Meanwhile, it lays dormant. It's just out there 
for everybody for the picking. Everybody is benefiting off of it except you. Tell me that they're not. Prove to me that they are not doing it. Prove it to me that they're not doing it. Get your original birth certificate if you can. You can see all major banks. All major banks on the back of your birth certificate has been sucking off of your estate the day you were born. Okay. Getting late here. Let me get to some things here. Okay. So keep in mind that the first eight presidents under the Articles of Confederation that were prior to them under the Articles of Association were Moors, and they were in power from 1774 Common Era to 1789 Common Era when the keys of power were transferred into the custodianship of the Mystic Turks so-called European Masons and the Shriners that the Moors charged with the duty and responsibility of protecting our sacred shrine, New Jerusalem, Washington, D.C., and our science and our sciences until we are we as a people arose from our state of spiritual, moral, and ethical decay, and from our slumber to reclaim all that rightfully belong to us from their custodianship. This is what Brother Abdullah Iltali Mosi Bey is talking about in his book Moors and Masonry. This is what he's talking about. The Imperial Divan. They're against custodianship of our sciences until we come off this comatose state that we're in to reclaim back what's ours. Most of you should need to get and read this book, Moors and Masonry by Abdullah Eltali Mosi Bay. <coughs> you can look it up on YouTube or you can look it up on the website. You'll find it. And please, and please, and please get the book, The First World Order. By, by, by Brother Dr. Asura Aline Lutapak El Bay. Please get this book. So this is the book I'm 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 reading out out of tonight. Lot of lot of a lot of powerful information in this book. Okay, let me move on. The ninth, the ninth U.S. President, George Washington, uh, is actually the 16th under the Constitution, actually was a great, was a grand master mason under the, tur- uh, the tutorage of Emmanuel, L., uh, Emmanuel Mu Ali Bey, known as Benjamin Banneker. George Washington was the first and first U.S. President and grand master mason 
Franklin Roosevelt was a Grand Master Mason, was the so-called, was the last so rule in the 140-year cycle. The 140-year cycle meaning from the date from George Washington to the date to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. With Roosevelt won four terms. Most people don't know that Franklin Delano Roosevelt won four terms as president. He's the only president that won so many terms. He didn't get a chance to finish the fourth one because he died on April, between April 12th and 14th of that year in 1945 in Warm Springs, Georgia. So he didn't get a chance to finish out his fourth year term. But he was the last one of the 140-year cycle that Dr. Eileen was talking about from George Washington from from uh, uh, from George Washington's term until 1945. Roosevelt knew that he was the last to rule in the 144-year progressive cycle of Roman universal influence when he established a new order or a new deal, a new, new idea, and broke the Roman order by ruling for 12 years, which is the measurement of man. <clears throat> 12 years he broke it like I said he did it with one a fourth term if he'd have lived if he'd have lived that means he'd have done 16 years as president if he'd have lived he'd have done 16 years but he didn't Let me move along here. Uh, All right. Okay. Got too long here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's see what we got. Oh, we got a little time. We got a little time. Let me see. Uh, where we at? Where we at? Okay, let me, let me start over again. So Roosevelt knew that he was the last to rule in the 144 progressive cycle of the Roman universal influence when he established a new order or a new deal or a new idea. New Deal idea and broke the Roman order by ruling 12 years, which is a measurement of man. When Roosevelt was given those famous fireside chats, he knew what was taking place, the beginning of the gradual return of the keys of power to the rightful owners, the Moors. Everything that was taken from the Moors is quietly being prepared for its actual return to us, the goal, the U.S. is to tributary to the Moors, and they have to repay a $25 million in gold loan that was made to the U.S. government in 1861 Common Era, and that the U.S. Congress is responsible to repay, which is why, which is why the seal 
of the Moors is on the back of the U.S. $1 bill. Currency or legal tender, IOU. And all of the land was taken, and so-called whites were reduced from landowner status to mere land user status. The land, the land they murdered my ancestors for, and stole so they could fraudulently provide their silent cohorts, their people with fraudulent land grants, land patents, and allodial titles that. Those thieves and their descendants have no spiritual, moral, or ethical right right to. The same applies to Kenya, Zimbabwe, so-called South Africa, Australia, etc. Yet they claim that they are a God-fearing nation. If this is so, the doctrine of discovery from the, doc- from the Vatican, which is still in force, would cease to exist effectively immediately. If this so, if this is so, then the so-called whites will gradually return our lands, repay long we were made to them, make recompense to us for the Tuskegee experiment, Emmett Till, Maurice Bishop, the Berlin Conference, and way and, and way too much to list here. But don't worry, we will get to that too. Be uh, to be in. In harmony with the God, the so-called European claims to love, honor, respect, and obey. The United States is bankrupt, and its sovereignty is gone. The courts in the U.S. and the states are not sovereign. Thus, the courts and prosecutors cannot have nor bring a claim against anyone because, as a bankrupt entity, it has no authority to operate. Therefore, the courts in the U.S. and the states cannot and will not resolve any issues. Technically, there are no more courts in the U.S. and the states. There are not. There are only private corporations doing business as quasi-courts with magistrates and administrative judges. As an administrative judge, is not the same as a judge. The U.S. Bank's representative is expressed by in Franklin Delano Roosevelt's Executive Orders Number 6073-6111 and 6260. Those are the Executive Orders, which is unconstitutional. For those you want to know, Executive Orders are unconstitutional. There's no such thing as an Executive Order in the Constitution. There's no such constitutional law. So uh, it's almost time for me to shut it down, y'all. There's a lot more I probably I wanted to t- t- uh, to touch on, but there's. They're getting ready to shut me down. I uh, hope that a lot of you have benefited from this lecture that I just gave. And I do not wish to insult, but I wanted to educate. Okay? And um, love all of you. Those of you who are listening, I hope that you're listening very carefully to what I just told you tonight. And I see you. Uh, talk to you soon next week.
Same time, same station. Same First World Order station. As I say always, Eharate Washita East. May my spirit and your spirit spring forth with the Jaguar. Peace. Peace, family. <laughs>